Welcome to the Reclaiming the Image Black Podcast. I'm your host, Kareem J. Daniels, with my uh, coming to you live from Darling New Media in Sacramento. Today, my guest is one of my favorite peoples. I think I say that every week. That's good, though. <laughs> and that's because I got some really good peoples. Yeah. So this is my brother from another mother, uh, Mr. Rodney Cornelius Bullock, <laughs> owner, master barber, instructor at the number one barber school in North Carolina, hey. uh, the Altitude Academy. Yes. How you doing today, bro? I'm doing well, bro. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. I don't think people knew that you you literally are my big brother. From another mother, literally. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they do either. It's cool. It's cool. They they about to find out though. You know, I be trying to make sure my peoples are good. Yeah. The way your folks made sure that I was good. Oh, sweet. Yes. Love it. So, uh, tell the people about uh, the Altitude Academy. Ah, uh, Altitude. Academy is an, uh, it's an idea. Uh, it's a state of mind. Um, and our, our motivational tagline is determine your own, meaning that no one else gets the ability or has the authority to determine where you might go in life. Um, I always say my wife and myself and my family, all the staff there and the people that come together there, we're, we're family that are really life coaches disguised as barber instructors. Um, and we do, of course, we, we, we teach barbering. I instruct barbering. But um, the thing that I'm most proud of is that we pride ourselves on teaching individuals how to start, maintain, and flourish in starting and opening their own businesses in the state of North Carolina through the gateway skill of barbering. I love it. So I entered, I interviewed you for uh, my um, photo exhibition, the invisible man reclaiming the image of the black father. And, Congratulations uh, on that, by the way, that is, is awesome concept is, is work that really still has a lot more to do, but man, kudos to you for taking a bite out of something that a lot of people you know, just wouldn't even know how to get their arms around to begin working on it. So I want to thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, but I interviewed you, but not only that I interviewed you, I interviewed one of your students. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I interviewed him about being a father. And before I could finish, when we finished, he said to me, before you stop, I want to talk about Mr. Rodney. And he proceeded to tell me how much of a mentor that you were to him and all of the things that you taught him about being a man and being uh, a business person, the things that he weren't, he, he didn't know. So how big, how important is it to you to mentor and give back to give that to your students? I'm trying to keep it tucked in. You make it so hard. <laughs> I, I, I tell my students all the time. First, I tell my students all the time, I want to give to you the same things that were given to me because I had such an outstanding upbringing. Um, I don't believe that this would have been part of my mission in life if I was not able to mentor through the way I lived in front of my students, in front of my wife and my son. I don't believe this would have been my mission if it was driven by the amount of finance I could make for myself. Um, it's super important for me because the way that I get paid, I mean, yes, I, I'm, I make money. Um, I'm proud of the way that I earn my living, but one of the ways that I am paid in the business I'm in is to help other people 
go to places they never dreamed they could. Um, and it's not about doing a lot of talking. It's about constantly working on me. And uh, I, that type of motivation, I think, is 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 a privilege to be able to do. But, you know, the creator of all good things gives gifts to those who he knows will use them for the ultimate good of those around them, not just themselves. And so I count myself as a, a very privileged person. I'm very, very blessed to be able to do that. But I think it is definitely a part of, you know, what the creator had for me to do in this life for others. I love it. I know that. Um, so we're going to we're going to talk, talk. <laughs> you always do it to me. We're going to talk, talk. So uh, and I'm going to say this to you. And I don't know if I've ever told you, said this to you. OK, um, but I think this may have saved your life. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and I say this because. There are two, two of the people that I'm most proud of the time that I've spent with are you and Gary Howard. Uh, and I always saw the potential in both of you. And I just always thought once they figure out what they want to do, they're going to be two amazing men. And you guys have not disappointed me. You have challenged me. (laughs) 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 And you have let me know you did not enjoy being challenged. (laughs) Challenged me. Right. But uh, one of the things I always tell people um, is like, I don't necessarily want to be taught or ministered to by somebody who hasn't been through anything. Right. Because you can't tell me how hard it is going to be if the worst thing that you ever did was steal a candy bar from a grocery store. Right. So, right. you know, I, I think the universe and, and the creator puts challenges you to challenge uh, yourself mm-hmm. so that you can teach those lessons to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am so proud of the way that you came through your lessons and the way that you're implementing them with your students, uh, with your family. Uh, I need to say it again. I am so proud of the man that you have become. Thank you, sir. I, um, I think a lot of my, my challenge toward yourself and, and others and my family was my youth, my inability to accept that not my inability, but just my stubbornness to accept that I was to do something that was so selfless. Um, <clears throat> and me being young, I, I was focused on being selfish. You know, I was raised in such a, a sheltered environment that all I wanted to do was get out and live life unsheltered, you know, not realizing that a lot of the things that were happening I thought were happening to me were really happening for me. Right. And, and now all of those things that happen, like you, you some days I felt like you were happening to me because you were <laughs> about ready to choke me out. That's a whole nother podcast. Everybody That's a, we don't want to talk about the UFC Kareem Daniels. We don't want to talk about it, but <laughs> um, it, it was, it was interesting. Um, in the way that I saw myself and all of the stubbornness and all of my youthful exuberance and all of my misguided desire. I saw that in a lot of the young people that came to my school, a lot of the older men who were still behaving in immature fashion to my school, to the seminars, to the public speaking events I had. And it just became one of those things where, like, I would hear your voice. I would hear my older sister's voice. I would hear my mother's voice, my father's voice. Like, listen, you don't get to do that. I remember one day you, (laughs) I remember one day you came and um, 
and you sat in the car with me. I was sitting outside of work. Uh, I was working at the barbershop. Shout out to Moe's Barbershop. I was I was sitting at Moe's Barbershop and you pulled up and you had to go catch a flight. You came to visit just for a little bit and you got in the car and you said, don't make me have to come back to the East Coast to hurt you. Because you don't get to do things like everybody else. The gist of your message was own up to who you are so you can start enjoying life and stop resenting how you got here. You need to start enjoying the fact that you are here. And I and it echoes with me all the time, because when I see these young people, it's not like, oh, man, you should get yourself together. It's you know what, man? I've been where you are. Tell me a little bit about where you think you might want to go. And now I get the opportunity. I have the privilege to guide young people because of the way I was guided. Now, is that ultimately where I'll end up? Who's to say? But I know that one of the greatest lessons I've learned is if you are not living in your moment, being your best self, you miss the opportunity to bless those who get to see you live well. And that you never know who you may be letting down when you are not walking in the correct frame of mind to be able to help other people. It, it really turns into uh, something that's so much bigger than ourselves. And when we can accept that, then we become part of the grand plan. And you know you, uh, you you grew up under. It's it's kind of hard to Come ex- on with to explain it to people because <laughs> you know there are different pressure points in, in life with different people. Uh, you know sometimes people think that growing up in the streets is the hardest way that you can grow up, and th- there's some truth to that, but it's not necessarily because if nobody has any expectations of you then there's not a lot of pressure applied to you. I agree. I agree. But when you live in a, you know, uh, you're a PK. And, mm-hmm. and when you live in as a PK, there are certain expectations that are placed upon you. And that's a lot of pressure to, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't just, when you leave the house, you don't just represent yourself. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> in, right. In essence, you, ult- you ultimately, you represent the most high. Uh, and not to mention, you know, Bobby Bullock, who put his foot. <laughs> so, so, deep. so, so deep. right. You know, so. Jim Kelly style, you know, it, it had to. Right. So that's, a, you know, that's a different kind of pressure. And I don't think people sometimes understand that pressure. So, you you know, if you want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I, it's interesting because it was it was difficult for me because my personality was so big uh, when I was younger. I was inquisitive and always being told that everything had to be a certain way. I thought to myself, well, surely there are so many different people on this earth. Everything can't work for everybody this way. What's the alternative way? And um, being a young black man in the South. Um, born in the 70s, growing up in the 80s, anything that wasn't a yes, sir, was disrespect. Yeah. And so I lived a lot of my youthful days in disrespect. And then when I realized that whenever I, whenever I was just being myself, it might cause a conflict, I decided I would just be myself no matter what. And um, I knew it came with a lot of spankings. It came with a lot of punishment. It came with a lot of no's. It came with a lot of, um, boy, you just, you just, you just. And uh, having grown up in the church and then uh, singing, um, it was, it it put an extra level of pressure. My mother, uh, the the great, (laughs) the exuberant pastor, (laughs) Dr. Ellen Bullock, she, She's such a dynamic speaker, such a dynamic person, such a dynamic personality. Um, Having all of that. And my dad is such a social fellow and, you know, all of those different things. And there was a pressure 
um, to be and do as they would be and do. And uh, the entire time I was just like, I, I can't be, I can, I just gotta be Rodney. And it wasn't until I was much older that, um, well, it really, it wasn't until I joined the military that I realized that there were some parts of my growing up that I would have to carry with me forever in order for me to be who I was destined to be. But I also had to find a way to concentrate those things in a way that best suited my personality, because no matter what I had to do, I had to do it as who I was created to be. So once I really took ownership of myself, my, my childhood became less baggage um, and more of a catalyst. And, you know, the other part of that is in that process, they were learning, too. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. sometimes we forget that with parents. Uh, yeah. We forget that, um, like, you're the first boy. You know, you know, you're the first boy in the family with them. Right. So, you know, that's a that's a different dynamic than, you know. The than other, my older sister. Yeah, yeah, the other dynamic person in the family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For, sure. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times they're learning as they're going. And, uh, you know, when we get older, then we can look back and be like, oh, OK, now I get it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they get it, too. It was like, you know. Yeah. I could have did this a little different. Um, and I'm going to ask you the question that I asked you, you know, in the interview for the, um, what, how has being a father changed the way that you see uh, pops? I, uh, hmm. it, it, you know, that, that answer change, it varies from day to day. <laughs> but, I very much appreciate him. I a lot of times have to take a look at the circumstances. You know, he was a younger man uh, married to a woman who was fully engaged in spirituality and religion. He was not, not in the same capacity as she was. He had three young children to take care of. Um, he was a, a reservist um, uh, a military man. It, I mean, it just so many different things that allow me to appreciate him because I only have one child. Um, uh, and a lot of the things that I, it's interesting the way you, the way you phrased it, but, um, I would say a lot of the things in my father that I appreciate, I try and exhibit that with my son, meaning that, um, the things I kind of wish my father was a little bit more conscious of, uh, when I was younger, I make sure to be super aware of those things when dealing with my son, because I want him to know that I am indeed his father. Um, if I have to discipline him, he knows, you know, that is a side of me that is, you know, it is very much there and ready to go to work when need be, if need be. But my main thing is, is I, I truly not just saying it, I truly want him to be able to come to me and say, well, daddy, this happened or that happened. What do you think? Or what, you know, what would you do? Um, and I don't, I don't say, you know, that little girl tried to kiss you. That's a sin. Kissing is the devil. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't you know, <laughs> I, it's, it's one of those things I tell him and, you know, I, I share with him um, in a way, cause I was never, you know, we were, when I was younger, we would run up to my dad to hug him some days and he would be like, hold on, men don't hug. Yes. And he put his hand out and we learned how to shake hands and behave with, with men in general. But I always longed to be his favorite oldest son. Cause I was the only oldest son. Right. And, um, and I, I felt like that would have been a little more impactful in the younger years. So I knew that no matter whatever conversation we had, other than that, I knew he admired the fact that I was his firstborn son. And, you know, it wasn't until later on that I understood um, he just didn't speak the same love language that I did, but it was truly love. He was preparing me for the world that he was raised in 
and not the world I was going to be raised in. And I understand that now, you know, in my ripe old age of 46, I completely understand that. But I get the opportunity to to kind of fashion my relationship with my son out of the best parts of the relationship I've had with my father and the, and the other men in my life. Yeah. It's uh, the men of that generation that, that their love language is um, it's evolving. True. Because um, my, my dad, uh, Sam, well, AKA fuzzy. The uh, sweetest fella ever, man. <laughs> was, that guy was cool, man. But that was his way. It was like, you know, men don't hug. Yeah. But he evolved into a person who would call me out of the blue and just say, hey, I just call you to tell you I love you. Uh, so sweet. Yeah. But I mean, but that's the like I said, that that generation of men has evolved. And True. it is an evolution of as, us of us as black men. Oh, yeah. Uh, that doesn't get discussed or talked about. Right. Because, you know. The media only shows. You know, like two percent. You know, right. you're not thugging or <laughs> or Hollywood then or, or you know or an athlete you don't get to see necessarily see that part. You know, right. it's a it was an interesting thing like when uh the Cosby show came on and mm. the way he parented and people mm. were like, There are no black people like that. And it's like, yeah, no. Um several. <laughs> there's several. And uh, you know, and we actually were lucky enough to grow up with men who were of that ilk. Yeah. Uh, the only thing yeah. that they would do that Bill didn't do was put their foot in your behind. Right. <laughs> and on network television, I, I doubt you would and, see and I doubt that you would see. But, but you know. yeah, it was I, I think it's awesome because um, when we start talk about evolving and different things. And I think when when my father, my son is now 15, uh, he'll be 16 in, in a month. Um, one of the things that I thought was really poignant. Was that. My father watched the way we were, myself, my brother and my sister, the way we were with our children. It was different in the way we behaved toward our children or interacted with our children, but it was the same type of love and discipline, just directed in a different way. And so I think when my father would see me just hug and love my son to pieces and, you know, that the type of thing that, you know, I really was longing for him some days. Um, I think it kind of started to work on him like, well, hey, it's OK to do that. Um, I, I think I should do that. And so now <clears throat> every time we, we see one another, you know, we, he still shakes hands. He's <laughs> 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 a handshaker because that's just how he is. Shakes hands. But we, we never we greet one another with hugs. You know, yeah. love you, daddy. Love you, too. Um, he'll call and, you know, call and check on my wife. Is, is that boy treating you right? Yep. I'm like, what, what, what about me? It's, you know, and so it is it is that type of is that type of maturing, I think, relationship wise, that has really brought the black community together through that leadership. I think the role of, of, of motherhood um, in the black or melanated community. Um, will always, always be put on a pedestal. But um, I think for a lot of folks, they missed out because um, they're looking for network television to show them, um, show them that part. But since they never see it, they believe it doesn't exist. But I'm telling you everywhere possible, I see black men, not even from their own children, just young people in general wanting to pour out their affection toward where they want them to go and what they wish them to be. And I, I, I wish there was more of that from other people's perspectives, but you can expect um, cultures that have traditionally um, profited or benefited from the lack of that being in the forefront. You can't expect them to do an about face and then be like, Hey, this is what you've been missing. Let's, let's show you this now. Yeah. So you know, and because we're, we're not waiting for anyone to give us any kudos as being the men that we need to be for our families and communities. Um, I think you can you can walk into you can walk down any street and see that love being poured out. So I don't think it's far from the surface at all. Yeah, I know that during the process of doing the the uh, and I'm still doing the um, the project. 
mm-hmm. it, a lot of times it's hard to get black men to talk about themselves mm. and, or to talk about their family. Uh, mm. And a lot of times they're really protective of that a lot yeah. more so than, you know, just because you don't necessarily see what he's doing, that doesn't mean that he's not doing. And it might be just because he doesn't need you. You don't need to know. Right. Because <laughs> sometimes more people know the more messier people are in your business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's interesting, too, um, that I think this generation has a, of, of young men, especially my age, when you're talking about your 30 to 50. I think they're in in that age range, I think, between those ages. You'll see a lot of these young men that are accepting the challenge of um, really pouring themselves out into those coming up so that that becomes the norm, that becomes how it is supposed to be done. Um, Not to make up for what wasn't done in the past, but just to just to create a new way, just to give more than one avenue. And I'm really proud of that because I don't feel like we're in this fight alone as it pertains to the image of young black men and how we interact with other young or younger black men. Right. And, you know, that age range that you talk, uh, one of the things that I've learned in my, um, my own growth process is the first part of life, we, the first part of our life, we end up, I'm going to say for like from 14 to probably about 28 Mm-hmm. We're learning what love isn't. And then from wow. 28 to <laughs> from 28 to 42, we're we're exploring what love is and yeah. what we want love to look like for us. Yeah. It, it it's, it's crazy because I think um in my growing up, it was one of those you can't do that, no to that. Uh-uh. You don't get to do that. I don't care what he does. You don't um, know. Yes. Stop. You know, and it was like it was very much a learning of what I couldn't do. Or like I, I tell a lot of my students, sometimes we have been educated through learnings of limitations. Right. Instead of learning without limitations. You know what I'm saying? And because of that, a lot of people are pigeonholed or put into a specific box. And when they don't perform in that way, it always goes back to feeling like it's a prison rather than, you know, I am, you know, I am intelligent enough to do something in a different way and it still be just as impactful. But the, the, the language of learning and limitations uh, is a very limited language and uh, has really stunted the growth of a lot of people, uh, shattered a lot of self-confidence and I think the black community has um, has a very strained relationship because that has really been a big part of a lot of our growing up. And a lot of us in our young adulthood still trying to operate, feeling right. like there's an inv- invisible barrier of, of learning and limitation um, just because that's how a lot of our parents were raised. And so they parented in the way that they were parented. Right. And it- and a lot of that was to protect us from outside communities. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to understand and acknowledge that. And then we have to learn how to move past that. Right. Uh, Cause you know, I was always about kicking myself, kicking down doors and kicking myself out of boxes. Right again. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I got to see how it was done several times. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and I'm, I'm about to tell on a couple of people because a couple of times that I was uh, checking you, um, I was sent to you by some other peoples. Come clean. <laughs> come clean. Oh, man. This will come to Jesus. I knew, I knew it was. <laughs> some, some people told me that I needed to stop by and talk to you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, so. Um, and it was out of love. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and I talked to you the way that, a older brother is supposed to talk to his younger brother when he sees him stepping out alive. Which we cannot disclose on, on, in this podcast. It was right. You probably get banned. <laughs> we can lie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, since uh, we when we did the exhibit, I talked to you about pops, uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to. I don't want to make this imbalance and not talk about the effect 
that that little dynamic lady that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. We both love to the moon and back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pastor Dr. Ellen Bullock. Come on. The, the effect that she had on you or yeah. has on you. Yeah. Still it is is still very effective. Um so <laughs> I will be teaching with my grown self in my grown building, teaching my grown criteria and my, my curriculum to my students. And my parents will come in. <laughs> you funny. My parents will come in. And it is. It, I feel uh, people see it as my parents coming in, showing their support. And it is showing their love. And they do. <clears throat> but it is also checking up to make for certain that I have not lost my mind. Yes. That I am treating my wife as she should be treated. Um, and, and my wife is my, she is my administrator. She's the chief administrator. Uh, and she also, uh, has her own, um, um, barber program management company. And so, uh, she is gracious enough to, to help me on, on some of the things that I'm a little bit, um, lax in. Uh, and so when my parents come in, they want to make for certain that we're behaving well, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And uh, for my mother to have pastored for so many years, I use her style of interaction with people <clears throat> all the time because she has perfected a way to discipline you and love you simultaneously. And you come out better for it. And some days without thought, I feel like she's a sensei and we're all just grasshoppers some days. Uh, I feel like she can say a thing or two and it put everything in perspective. Cause some days I have those days where, you know, everything's happening. My business phone's ringing. My cell phone's ringing. I've got 20 students asking me questions about different things all at one time. I've got friends that want to discuss personal situations. I'm, you know, <clears throat> work with this, my city. I'm on the board of, you know, a board of adjustment for my city. So many things happening and my mother can manage to come in and in about two minutes flat can center me, center the whole room, take out whatever dis-ease or discomfort there might be. And then she'd be like, all right, guys, I love you. Everybody go to church on somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> Sunday, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what I have learned to do now is when she enters the building, I was like, everybody, mama's here. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> and then when she leaves, I'll be like, mama's leaving everybody. Let's clap for mama. You know, I mean, I, I feel like that is the only, the only uh, accurate way to, to show her uh, our current appreciation, you know, just because she is, she's such an individual to give herself over to unity. And, and, you know, it, it's amazing. You don't find many people like that. And um, uh, uh, it is it is a privilege that I get to call her mama, you know. So but I get it both ways, too, because I'm I'm I'm, I'm her son <laughs> and, and I'm the minister of music at church. So I get it from from mama and pastor. So it's a it's a tough road. It's a tough road to walk. She's a tough woman. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, you know, I know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> she is a tough woman yeah but I, you can't help but love her oh man she when i tell you one of the sweetest people ever i think for for most of us we 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 aspire to to be that in tune you know what i mean we as, we aspire to be able to uh share and interact the same the way that she does yeah yeah uh, it's a it's a it's a privilege to it's a privilege to hang out with her. Yeah, and that's who sent me to talk to you. <laughs> See, I know I can't get mad. <laughs> I feel sad about it. <laughs> See, bro. See, bro. But she'd be like, "Listen, you." <clears throat> she was like, "You behaving yourself?" Yep. Everything everything going well? I'm like, uh, "Yes, ma'am." Um, you know, and I let me say this. At 46 years old, this year I will be 47. Do you know I would I would not dream of answering my mother or father in any way other than yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, 
No, ma'am. And that is just because it's not Southern. That is because I have such great respect for the people they are. Even if they were not my parents, I would probably address them in the same way. But when you have great respect, and I think that was one of the things that I was stubborn about living up to. Right. They demanded such a respect in the way they lived that they deserved that in return from others, particularly the ones that they fed, that they raised. And so um, when I, I, I got over my stubbornness and I accepted the call of being my father's son and my mother's baby, it really turned into a, a beautiful life. Boy, that is a that is a thing to get over. Yeah. And, you know, being your father's son is one of those things where you like, man, I don't ever want to be like that dude when, when <laughs> you were a kid. And then you you find yourself walking like him. You find yourself saying stuff that he says. And then one day you just look in the mirror and you're like, I'm my daddy. I am that dude. Yeah. So like, how did I become that guy? You were always you him. Were always him. He was just hiding on the inside. <laughs> and now, you, now, one thing I will say this. Kareem, I want I want this on the record. I, this is on the record now. I will say this: I do not treat my money the same way my father <laughs> treats money. Okay, okay. Um, no, this, I, I work. I work honestly. I, I, I am I am very straightforward with people, just like my father. And my father will see, he was like, listen, you could go down there and buy a brand new, but what you need to do is take that thing out and clean it up, put it back in there and keep right on getting up the road. And I'll be like, let's just, let's just buy a new one with a warranty, daddy. Again, <laughs> men of that generation, that is them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate those lessons in finance because before I got to this point, those lessons really helped me build a solid foundation. So now I can enjoy more of life through the way my finances are kept because I had the education from somebody who, you know, the way he was raised, they watched every dime. Yeah. They were conscious of their spending. They were conscious of the things they didn't spend on. If there was something that they wanted, they plotted out plans in order to get those things. But there was a certain way to go about it. And if you did anything outside of that, it was a complete disrespect to all of the energy you put into generating that finance or generating those monies. I am the last person of all my friends to get anything. Any new I, thing, I am the last one to get it because I'm like, if I can't pay for it, I'm not messing with it. See, see, I'm, I'm, I'm different. I'll see it and I'll be like, Ooh, shiny MacBook. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll buy it. Or my son will say, daddy, did you see that? I'm like, we'll, we'll buy it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I, I, I am, uh, I really enjoy the yeah. fact that, um, I, I, I embrace, I embrace living, you know, yeah. I, 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 I don't go overboard, but I dare not, sit around and act like I have not been blessed right. by what I do and the way it generates finance so that I can care for my family. Right. And, and, and I'm not saying that, look, if I want to go somewhere or mm -hmm. I want to try something, Oh, it's done. Uh, I know. That's what I know about yeah, you. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> if I decide tomorrow that I want to drive around the country, I will drive around <laughs> the country. I will do mm -hmm. it. But like I said, stuff, Except for I did get the iPad Pro when it first came out. Speak on it, <laughs> but uh, but stuff generally I'm the last person to get whatever the the hot thing is because I'm like okay I, I'll get to it later, um, right? Because but but like my camera equipment and then yeah. I, I bought some stuff to try to learn how to do some music last year, so I I have put money down on that stuff. So I if it's something you. that I want to know how to do or want to try. We shelling out to get that. Come on. So, you Come know, on. like, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but that music y'all heard at the beginning, beginning, that was some stuff that I, I, I did from the money love, I spent last year. <laughs> love it. Love it. It's creating, it's generating a return. I love it. Yes. I love it. That's it. So uh, let me see. We're going to talk about uh, your evolution 
a little bit. Yeah, sure. Because you and uh, our brother Timothy used to have a, a gospel group. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What, what, what was the name of the group again? It was for deliverance, the the number four, and it, the name originated from the three Hebrew boys um, having uh, <clears throat> denied serving or, or praising any other god and and got thrown into the fiery furnace. But when people looked into <clears throat> when people looked into that fire, they knew that there were the three gentlemen that were thrown in, but there appeared to be the 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 image of the fourth, which you know was the father, and it was. It was just one of those things where there were three of us in the group and we knew that it was it was a, a, a divine project that had to come through us. And and that's what happened. And, and we enjoyed we enjoyed a lot of success. You know, folks still ask me about it to this day. They're like, when you going to put out new music? I'm like, man, I'm I'm old, man. <laughs> you, can, you, still, you can still sing a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I do a little bit. Like I said, I'm every Sunday. I'm a minister of music. I'm 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 getting it. But um, it was that that project, and it, because I when I was younger, one of the things I wanted to do was write, which I I had always written music and um and sing professionally, and um and that was not that was not a stable nine to five, and so I didn't get much support from my family. Yep. Um, and one of the reasons one of the reasons I didn't get their their undying support was because a lot of the music I was singing was not really R&B. It was more inspirational. But to them, if you didn't say Jesus every other word, it was the blues. Right. So apparently, apparently, um, I believe I can fly was the blues. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just it was just one of those things that uh in in being in those situations, working with the the music industry, um, I learned so much that I was able to apply a lot of that um, to um, that gospel project, and it was it was it was produced and sponsored by um, our church. Pastor Pastor Bullock was like, "Hey, look, you know, I think this is the move. I want you all to write an entire album. We're gonna go ahead and do it." And so we did it and we got a lot of success from it. And I, it was needed for the time that, that we were able to produce it. It was, it was really needed. So that's something I'll forever be proud of. And I got to, I got to work with my brother, uh, whom I, I love dearly. I got to work with my little brother. And, uh, I, I mean, that was a great time in life. <laughs> Tim, Tim is, uh, <laughs> <Hey. Hey. laughs> that's my guy. Tim moves. Tim moves at the pace that Tim moves at. Correct. And everything that Tim does. Right. <laughs> he is. Um, I think people think people think he's slow, but Tim is. He's. I would say he's matter of fact. Uh, Tim. He, Tim. Tim walks like. <laughs> Tim, Tim moves like pops. Right. Right. He will, he wants it to be done his way. He he has a vision for for things he, he does. And I I wouldn't change it for the world because it has really served us well. Um he is he is somebody I rely on for advice and business all the time. Uh he has a very unique it's a it's a more laid back approach, but it is really unique, but it is very effective. And so people are like your brother, your brother, your brother. I'm like, leave him a message. And when he it's the time, he'll call <laughs> you back. He is not just because you call him, he is not falling all over himself to answer his phone. He will reach out to you when the time is right or when he has the time to give you his undivided attention. I think that's what people really need to know. He doesn't want to call you and just hear a portion of your problem and offer up a solution. He needs the, he wants details. Yeah. He needs the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he moves ahead. Oh, like I said, I love it. It is uh it is a joy to watch. And because I'm a because I love to watch people and observe people and the way people yeah. do things. So it's yeah. to me it's a joy to watch him in motion. I think you just like to pick on people. <laughs> <laughs> He's like an old sensei. He is, right? Like <laughs> Karate shoes and 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's effective. He's slow but effective. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, you uh, are the minister of music at the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about your? I say your spiritual evolution. Oh man, that's tough. Um, I um being raised in, in such a a, a spirit filled religious type house. I didn't want anything to do with church because I felt like everybody expected me to be my mother or be my father. And I was like, listen, before you can start assigning personalities to me, give me the opportunity to figure out my own. And so um, I had always sang, I mean, gosh, since I was singing with the adult choir when I was four years old. Um, I remember going to choir practices, singing with the adults. And so um, uh, as I got a little older and start singing and doing different things, you know, I always felt like there was something that connected with me so far as church. But I wanted to figure it out. I didn't want people to tell me what it was because I didn't want people's interpretation of my salvation. It was difficult for me to wrap my head around somebody telling me what they thought my salvation should look and feel like. And and when I got older enough, old enough to be eloquent enough to share that with people, then it was like, that makes sense. But it took a lot of bumps and bruises to get to that point. And um, as I got older, it was more like um, it was something I, you know, it was always there for me. And now I was mature enough to be able to do it in the steps that made me comfortable. And I think, you know, when 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 you're talking about salvation or working on your spiritual relationship so that you are comfortable, that's when your light really shines, because in those moments, you don't mind to be a flawed, imperfect individual because you're giving over your imperfections to somebody that will continually help you work on perfecting who you are, right. not being perfect. Right. And when and when that happens and you accept that that's what salvation really is, is just I'm going to police myself. I'm go- If there's an issue. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to seek a little help from a a force that's higher than me because those answers, they're in me already. And I just need to center myself spiritually enough so that what's in me can really come out. And as it changes me, it affects and shines a positive light for others to see. So if others are watching you, then they get to see how you imperfectly use a perfect internal guide to be what needs to be. Right. Enlightenment is understanding that therefore the grace of God go I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. So very much. So. And it was for you to understand in your own way. Right. For you to be able to walk your own path. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. And I, I, and and, in doing that, I, I found out, that I had like a burning desire to, to sing in church. I had a burning desire to lead praise and worship. You know, I was excited about it the night before, you know, I'm anxious. I mean, even now, you know, I've been doing it for all my life really. And then, you know, I'm in bed on, on, on Saturday night, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm like, man, I'm going to hit this run here. I'm going to sing. I'm going to come in with this song. And my wife's like, go to bed, <laughs> turn the television on, babe. You know? <laughs> but I mean, see, I'm just so excited, you know, and, and I tell you, it, it is unlike anything else for me is better than, you know, it's better than any other thing I could grab a hold of because it's so pure. It's so right. And it's uniquely mine. And, and, and God is pleased, you know, because you'll feel that um, you'll feel that calmness wash over you, you know, when, when you're operating uh, in, in perfect harmony with what he has for you to do. So um, I, I, I love it. 
now it's it's not that I never it's not that I had an issue or fell out with it. My issue was with church folks, not the church. Understood. Yeah, oh. my issue was with church folks. Never, never with church. Never oh. with God. Overstood. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes, um, but in you finding that or finding your own understanding, you've been able to apply that to the way that you deal with your students and the way that you are in the community. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I have to commend you on the man that you have become because I am so proud to watch you work. Like one of my, one of my favorite things to do when I come home is to go sit in the barbershop and mess with you and talk about music, uh, pick at you about your ass, your ankles and, right, your, I- and your Kurt Franklin dress. <laughs> Listen, but I got other people ripping on my style now. Yes. They're wearing no socks. They're wearing loafers. They're wearing pants that are a little bit higher than normal. But the other part of that is to watch the way that your students and the people in the barbershop interact with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that lets me know everything that I need to know about where you are. And I can leave and be like, he's good. I can go do something else and I don't have to worry too much about right. I I appreciate it uh, very much. You were really instrumental in a lot of the things that I had to apply. And when I needed a big brother, um, you magically (laughs) always magically always popped up. And um, I think, I think that too, I, 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 I know some people, but this makes some people feel weird, but I, I live for you, man. I, I live for my family. I li- I literally live to, to constantly give everybody that poured into me a return on their investment all the time. Like I'm never going to be able to pay it back, but I can always be working toward payment, yeah. you know? And, and because because you guys were so effective in the way you invested into me, just giving me the right thing at the right time, saying the right thing to me at the right time or expressing it to me in a way that I could digest it. Even when I wasn't interested in hearing anything, especially from you, (laughs) you told me one time you were going to break my nose. (laughs) And I said, and I said, and I calmed right down. I was like, well, I I guess I I see what you're saying. But it was, you know, I very much appreciate it. Sometimes, you know, you got to do that, you know, because sometimes <laughs> it's like dealing with your mother and your father. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, you you and it's and it depends on what day you're dealing with either one of them, right? Because sometimes <laughs> your mom will be the one that want to jack you up, right? And be like, send your daddy to go talk to you before she get on you, before she kills you, before right? she kills you. But you know, sometimes you got to be like, okay. I don't talk to you the other way and you didn't right. you you didn't adhere to what I was trying to tell you. So, so now, now let, me, let me talk to you, talk to you right. so that we have an understanding right. of what's going on. Right. Meaning that you're gonna see this my way, or it's gonna get real yes. physical in here. Yes. Like if you don't understand, there are consequences and some repercussions. Right. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you know you gotta do that. And sometimes that's a love language. That, that, sometimes that is a love language. You love me enough to give me that whooping I need. And exactly. You know. Yeah. And sometimes you got to you can't you you have to love your people enough to keep them from running off the bridge. Yeah, man. When the bridge has been that when you are when you know that the bridge that they they about to cross For is sure. out. That's beautiful. You That's, have to it's, it's, you have to love them enough to be like, hey, I need to pull you back from that from running off that bridge because yeah. there's nothing. You, there's not a other side to it. Oh man, that that is that is really the essence of the the average the average black man. That and I feel like that is the way we interact. Like, hey, look, young fella, let me come in. Let me tell you something. You know, and it, it was. For me, I think if I'm remembering correctly, <clears throat> I was on one of those I'm grown yes. type of conversations. One of those. And you were like, now, now if I had to break your nose, 
to open up your ears. I think that's how the conversation went. And uh, I, I thought about it like, do, could I just open my ears all on my own or do I need him to to fracture my nose? And I, I decided that I probably will open on my own just because I didn't want you to. Right. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, sometimes and part of I'm going to say part of our problem sometimes is. We aren't. So like, so I noticed that you. Kwame Brown's been all over the place this last mm-hmm. week. And one right. of the thing, one of the videos that he posted was about uh, black people, successful, quote unquote, successful black people telling other black people how to become successful. Mm-hmm. The part of the part that people who bring that issue up, the part they always miss out on is the fact that you have to be willing to hear when the person is trying to tell you and Come help on. you be successful. Come on. Uh, you have to be open to getting the information or you have to be in a place to receive that information when it's given to you. Because yeah. I know that there are, for every two people that have listened to me, for every you and Gary that have listened to me, there have been five or six people that have just have not. Have not. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, they ended up where I was trying to keep them from going because I right. already knew. Right. Uh, so we have to be open to, to people helping us. And, you know, yeah. sometimes that's out of that stubbornness, as you talked about where you were before and mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, and that pride and some of that is out of mistrust for some of the people that we've dealt with. Very uh, true. But, you know, uh, but you can't pray and then turn away the answer that God gives you. Can't do it. It, it, It's beautiful that you put it that way because um, I have found that I don't want to laud my success as someone else's finish line. Right. How is it possible that you're doing all of this work to end up in the same place I am when you have your own destiny, you have your own future, you have your own goals, you've got your own tastes. And so <clears throat> what I have, what I quickly learned to do is give people the tools enough to really succeed as who they truly are. Right. And hope for the best. Exactly but not fall into despair if they don't choose to be the best selves. Because then if, if I am so attached after I've given them the tools to do, you know, to really go further to the next position or station in life, if I, if I have attached myself to their rise or fall, then that makes me no good for everybody else that's coming behind them, whom I have to prepare with the tools they're going to need for success for the next station in life. Yes. It is my, my responsibility to you is to help guide you. Come on. It is my responsibility to you is to pull your coattail if I need to. Right. Exactly. Your responsibility to you is to be the best you that you can be. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I love that. Your responsibility to yourself. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of times we miss that too. We yeah. miss out on a lot of self-care. We yeah. miss out on a lot of rest because we're so busy trying to make it or trying to hustle or trying to do or trying to achieve that we forget that the opportunity to sit, rest, be still, meditate, really listen, really hear, really digest. Those things are just as vital to success as the work, as the grind, as the never quit, as the always moving forward attitude. So um, I love that. I love the way you put it, man. You're a wordsmith all the time. Always have been. Well, you, um, you ever watch? Uh, well, I can't even say you ever watch because I already know that we all we watch this every Bruce Lee movie that ever came out. Right. Right. <laughs> At your house when we were kids. You, you know this. But, you know, Bruce always threw it in his moves and then he took a step back. To watch what he'd accomplished but also to see what his next move was. Right. And that's what we got to do with that. Yeah. Got to be chess players, man. Got to be chess players. That's it. So 
Um, before we get out of here, I'm going to let yeah. you do the Altitude Academy uh, commercial. So tell the people about Altitude Academy, how they can reach you, all of that uh, good stuff. Altitude Academy LLC um, is a <clears throat> premier barber's academy where we train people um, in the professional barber science. Uh, we also train those um, that are willing to learn how to start, open, and flourish their own uh, business uh, under the catalyst of barbering and take it further wherever they may want to go, wherever their dreams might take them. Uh, we're located at 3700 Suite D, Charles Boulevard in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, you can reach me all the time at 252-355-0434. And all you got to do is say, hey, Mr. Rodney, I want to go to barber school. I am going to do everything in my power to make for certain that your dream becomes a reality. I love it. So, yeah. again, thank you guys for tuning in to Reclaiming the Image.Black. I've been your host, uh, Mr. Kareem Daniels. Uh Thank you to my brother, Mr. Rodney Cornelius Bullock. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, big bro. And again, it's reclaiming the image dot black. We are not a monolith, but we are one. I will see you next Wednesday with, uh, I think my guest is going to be Miss Makita from Tiferet Coffee. We're going to confirm on Monday. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs>